Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 575 for December 15th, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts, back with another installment of Programming by Stealth. This time, it's uh, installment 68 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? Hi, I'm doing extremely well today, Allison. Um, I've been inside pretty much. This is the first day I haven't been on a bicycle in ages because uh, it's not quite a storm officially, but it's it's pretty darn stormy out there. We got a red wind warning. So you know, I uh, I posted a, a picture on social media that if I lived where it rained, I would be really fat. It was it was <laughs> sprinkling outside. I think we got an uh, we got actually over an inch of rain in a day, which for us is extraordinary, and. Uh, I, I, the picture was of me sitting with my feet up on the, on a stool with a fire in the fireplace, and I wasn't exercising at all. <laughs> now, I did do 20K on foot today, but I didn't get on the bike. Wow. All right. Well, that counts. Well, anyway, um, we should kick into uh, talking some more bootstrap. Yes, indeedy. So last time we, we left our story, we were looking at dropdowns. And dropdowns, we said, came in two flavors. One of them was buttons where you would use them for some sort of control input, you know, do X kind of input. And we said that the other flavor didn't use the button tag. It used the good old-fashioned ahref. You know, there was your link style tag. And they right. were meant for navigation. And within Bootstrap, navigation stuff is generally done using a component that Bootstrap call a nav. And so before we can get back to dropdowns again, we need to actually meet the nav and then we can put a dropdown into our friendly nav. Okay. Um, and there's actually quite a bit to navs. They do quite a lot of cool stuff. So actually, this is going to be the first of two halves of nav stuff because oh. there's a really special type of nav that we're going to meet next week or next time called a nav bar, which is like a nav on steroids. Oh. So we'll save that one for next time. And today we're going to deal with plain old navs. Um, and it's... It's more fun than it sounds, I guess. <laughs> well, I've been liking this. I Can I tell oh, you a, a funny thing about my homework? Oh, go on. So I got it. I got it to work. But the one thing I couldn't get to work properly was the, the whole append thing. And I didn't want to confess to right. you before. I've never been able to get a pen to work. And this time I was like, dang it, why is this not working? So I started breaking it down simpler and simpler and simpler mm -hmm. and simpler. And I took mine and I took yours and yours had the, it had the append where it's, you know, squashed right up against it. And mine didn't. And I'm like taking things out and taking things out and I'm rearranging. And what, is it because it's not a form group or because you don't have the JavaScript? And what is, what is it? And I went to the documentation and I downloaded their little examples and everything looks like a pen where they're squashed up against each other and I can't get mine to work. And then I look at it and I realize it says uh, ML2. In other words, I told it to be to have a space in between. <laughs> oh, and, and margin why, left two. Right. So instead of it sitting up against it, it was sitting there properly two away, you know, unit two, whatever that is. And uh, that got it to work. So I laughed Yeah, at because myself. of course, yeah, the, the HTML tags were indeed one after the other, but the rendering of those tags yep. was spaced. <laughs> yeah, And that was probably, I would say, an hour and a half over the course of a week and a half oh, no. trying to find it. <laughs> But if it's if it's gone in and it's going to stay remembered, that's a really well spent oh, yeah. hour and a half. And oh yeah, you don't learn anything when it works. You learn nothing, right? In my right. opinion, exactly. And it is it's sort of you know that's sort of how teaching works, right? It's um, or sorry, how learning works. I can say something a million times and it sort of bounces off people, but the moment you're forced to 
to stress over it, to to fret about it, to to like get exasperated with it. When it finally goes drops into place, now it's cemented in your brain. That is going nowhere. Yeah. The uh, what is it? I, I forget who said this quote. They said the 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 coolest thing you can hear a scientist say is, "Well, that's interesting." Yeah, or that's odd. <laughs> when it does, what, or what the bleep? Right. When it does what you think it should do, then you're not learning anything. So, but when it does something yeah. unusual, it's like, ooh, what is that? Someone famous said, you know, the most the, the best word in science is not eureka. It's huh, that's odd. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I don't know who it was. I, I'm hoping it was someone I really like, like Carl Sagan or so, you know Feynman or someone like yeah, that. I feel I'm like sure it was, was Feynman. Someone. That's who I was going to guess. Let's go with Feynman. Let's go with Feynman. We give him the credit. He deserves it. If he didn't say it, it's the kind of thing he would have said. Right, right. Anyway, so speaking of homework, the homework last time was uh, fairly simple. So we learned about these cool drop downs for putting into web appy style form style things. And so we have this recipe we've been butchering for the last couple of months, months, maybe even a year at this stage. Certainly, <laughs> we've been at it for a while. Um, and it had a little fake login form at the bottom. And that seemed like a perfectly good place to play around with these drop downs. So what I asked you to do was to convert the login button from being a single button that just logged you in to being one of these split buttons where you have a default mode, which is just log you in. And then next to it, a little disclosure triangle. And when you click on that, you should see two new options. Log in for five minutes and log in for one hour. And just to say, I actually would love it if the internet would work like that, because it would be great to be able to log into something like my bank for just five minutes so that if I forget to log out, it's a uh, short session. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Or I would like my router to have the one that says log in for an hour, because my router's timeout is, it's got to be measured in seconds. I swear. I, I'll, I'll oh, log wow. in, flip over to do something on the other router, and I come back. It's like, nope. Oh, come on. Done with you. Yeah. That is most annoying. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was the homework. Um I'm trying to remember if I explicitly said that I wanted you to update the message so it would let you know how long it would have logged you in for had it really been a login form instead of a pretend button. No. Uh, well, you whether didn't. So Okay, I if I didn't do... say it then I gave myself bonus credit because I solved okay. both problems by sample solution. Okay. Now technically you didn't tell us that this had to be connected to the JavaScript and do anything. Uh, Dorothy, I did not. You Dorothy did and I didn't. But I figure you probably, it was probably implied, huh? Yes, basically, well, we'll walk through my solution because it was a very, very easy way to make it work without doing any JavaScript. So you could simply have your buttons inside the dropdown be of type submit and then it would work. Oh, but I thought you told us we had to make them not be submits. Something had to stop being a submit. No, it was the other way around, actually. To, To make last time's homework work, I had to turn something into a submit. Hmm. In this case, what we want to do always is, is we want to submit that login form, whether we're submitting it for five minutes or for, for an hour or just forever. We still want to submit that form. So just changing them to input type equals submit will achieve that goal. That's exactly so what can... I did, Bart. Perfect. <laughs> just no, of course, now. I won't get you the customized message, but we'll get to that later. So okay. just as a quick reminder, to start off, our code was a very, very basic. Um, it was an inline form, uh, which contained a single input group which uh, that input group contained a prepend, which is a fancy little icon. It contained two text boxes, one for your username, one for your password. And then it contained an append, which is the um, initially a simple button to submit the form. And that was that. So all we need to do in terms of the physical markup 
is we need to replace the single submit button with one of these fancy pants split button jobbies. So to do that, we just basically, we first need to create a, we need to make the existing button behave like the, uh, actually, we need to add an extra button, sorry, next to it to, to be the drop down for the toggle. Right. Not the drop down for the toggle, the toggle for the drop down, the other way. <laughs> the button to make the drop down go, which I believe we call the trigger, if I'm keeping my terminology straight. So it's just button type equals button, class equals btn, btn dash secondary, drop down dash toggle, toggle dash, or drop down dash toggle dash split. We have to give it an ID. I got very boring. I said login underscore dd for drop down underscore t for toggle. Uh, the data dash toggle equals drop down, and then all of our aria stuff. So aria has pop up equals true, aria expanded false. Oh, and the second type equals button for good measure. Um, that obviously is not needed. Um, Do and then inside. Why did we have to have IDs on both of those? On both of those? Yeah. How do you mean on, both? What's the said, other? I see one button. So what's the other? You said login underscore DD underscore T and login underscore DD. When you said it. Okay, so login underscore DD is just a regular button that just does the normal. Where, where are you seeing? You're, you're jumping ahead, aren't you? No, you said it out loud. You said, lo- you said login underscore DD and login underscore DD underscore, underscore T. Why do they? Why do they need? Um, why do they? There need is no IDs? they. There's one button and it has one ID. Login underscore dd underscore t. I have no idea what. Okay, I well, I misheard. That. Managed to miss. But, so why does it have to have an ID in this case? Uh, we were going to be referring back to it because the menus, um, the the, the, the actual drop down menus, aria stuff has to point back to the who who Okay. It. Okay. Good. So it's for accessibility, basically. Yeah, it's not needed to make it go, but it's needed to make it accessible. Got it. Um, so inside it, the only thing we have is a hidden span, which is for screen readers only, which just says toggle drop down. So span class equals SOR dash only, our good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this stage, then we have, we just need to create the actual drop down menu itself. It should just have, so this is just span class equals drop down dash menu. And here we have our aria dash labeled by oh, to connect is. us back to that toggle. Okay. Then we just contain two buttons, button class equals drop down item, type equals submit, login for five minutes, button class equals drop down that item, type equals submit, login for one hour. That is that. So the key point is that the, the, the two buttons are inside a span of class drop down menu, and each of the buttons is of class drop down item. And that's kind of all there is to it. So at that stage, it works. So one thing I found odd and looking at your example from last week and in mine is my uh the the button that's not the split not the toggle part but the other part I don't know what you call it the regular mm-hmm. button um the default button yeah whatever yeah it's pushable You're right yes that's cuz it's a split button that means that it's but what the difference between do? a split button it logs you in it does whatever it used to do. It, it It is a normal button, right? It behaves like any HTML button. There is nothing special about the other half of the split. It is a button. So, so it will do whatever its click handler tells it to. Okay. Okay. So since this wasn't connected to the my JavaScript, it doesn't, mine doesn't do anything, obviously. Now there's submits, but they don't do anything. But okay. So they should submit the form and trigger the unsubmit handler, if there is an unsubmit okay. handler. Oh, shut up. That's what Dorothy said. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so it, 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 I, you aren't using my sample solutions as a starting point, so I don't really know what no. you're working Yeah, no, I'm in a completely other world. But uh, but no, I, I mean, I could have done that, but I made lunch instead. <laughs> so Seems seem reasonable to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so in my sample code, there was a submit handler already. 
right. which put up a message saying this is a pretend login form. And so the 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 default half would submit the form because it's a type equal submit. And the two other ones also submit the form because they're also of type equal submit. So basically, whichever of the three buttons you clicked on at this point in, in, in my code, it would do exactly the same thing, which is submit the form. And so it'll pop up, it'll pop up to say, this isn't a real form. But if it was, I'd have logged you in. Okay, so the left half is also uh, type equals submit, not type equals button. Okay, so there are four buttons. There's login, the one with the triangle, and then two other buttons inside the dropdown. Yes? How is that four buttons? Well, if you look at the code... Well, I don't, I don't button, see the code all type, in one place right now. Uh, it's, it, it, uh, okay, so it's, it's in, in the zip file. It's a bunch of different pieces. Okay. Right, but it's all in the zip file together. Okay, but I mean, so just logically a... speaking, so there's there's the login okay. button. That's one. That's a button. Right. Yeah. Next to it, in the code and in reality, is a second button, which just has the triangle visible. That is the second button. Oh, and it's... And then the... Okay. And then inside the drop-down menu are two other buttons. Okay. So four buttons in total. Three of them are submit buttons. The login button is a submit button. The login for five minutes is a submit. And the login for one hour is a submit. But the, the toggle, toggle is button, not. Correct. Its job is to, is to hide and show the menu. It does not submit the form. Okay. Okay. So it has type equals button. And it has the data attribute to, to tell Bootstrap to make it into a toggle for the menu. So it has um, data dash toggle equals uh, dropdown. Okay. I did something that that made me not think about this properly is I labeled the button that's on the left, the the regular button, I labeled that choose option, inviting you to ah. hit that little toggle to go down. So logically, the one on the left doesn't shouldn't do anything. And so I could, but if I'd labeled it login, that would have done made my head realize what you were asking us to do. I wondered where that default was going to come from, because you said it should do it have a default. I'm like, well, where would that yeah. be? Now I got you. Yeah. So. As we learned last time, there are two types of dropdown. There's one where the whole button, the whole visible thing is a single button for just showing the menu and it does nothing else. That's the mm -hmm. traditional dropdown. And then we learned about the split button. Right. So what I asked you to implement was a split button. So what makes a split button split is that it has this dual role. What's always visible is the default action. And then next to the default action is the triangle to give you the extra stuff. Right, right. Okay. So where that's used in a UI would be if there's something 90% of people do, but there's also some advanced features you want to make available, but you know they're not going to get used very often, so you don't want them taking up valuable screen real estate in your app. Well, then you put them behind a split button because that okay. way they use minimal space and they, you know, most people, they're out of the way, but those few weirdos who really want that fancy feature can get to them. Okay, so um, dumb question. Just remind me, uh, type equals sure. a button that's type equals submit makes sense because it's a button you're going to push. It's going to submit. What is a type yes. equals button? What does that do? Nothing. It does absolutely nothing until you tie some JavaScript to it. Oh, that's okay. So a button that has on click. Correct. Something. Okay. Yes, it's a button that is wait. Yeah, it's a button that will do nothing until you tell it to do something. And mm -hmm. what it does basically, it's a button whose job it is to do what you tell it to do. Okay. Then why Whereas do we... the submit button okay. oh. is preordained. Okay, so if we preordain the login button and the, uh, you know, login for five minutes, login for one hour, if we all say those are all submit, they're not being, mm -hmm. it's not the unclick that causes it? It's not the unclick, it's not or the unclick, un it is the unsubmit. 
Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. I don't think. Oh, there it is. There it is. I'm looking back through my code because that was like four or five weeks ago. So, gotcha. I mean, you could, you can listen for a click event, right? There, there is still a click event. You could listen for it too. It would just be a strange thing to do. But there's yeah. no real. I'm sure there are cases where you would, where you would decide to like have the button have a dual role. Where I want it, if you click it and form validation fails, I still want you to do something. So that would be a click handler. But I also want you to do something when the form submits. So that'll be a submit handler. So there's no reason you couldn't have both on a submit button. Okay. Because technically speaking, the submit handler is actually on the form, not on the button. Whereas the click handler would be on the button, not on the form. Right. Because you don't click a form, you click a button. And you don't submit a button, you submit a form. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm not sure I, if that I was more or less confusing. No, 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 no. But no, it is that true. Helped, no, that actually did clarify some. Okay. I hate it when Dorothy's right. But okay, moving on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, based on what I wrote... This is full credit, but I wasn't, I didn't remember what I wrote and I was too lazy to go check and I figured I'd just do the nice solution anyway. So I updated, I continued from there so that doing, pushing the different buttons would cause the message to change. So it would tell you how long it would lag you in for if it wasn't a fictitious button. Um, So as as an example, not as an example, uh, as a reminder that before I do any changes, the submit handler is quite short. It's just eight lines. You know, dollar login form dot submit function e if validate login form. So in other words, if my validation function returns true, in other words, everything is fine. They have entered both the username and the password. Then we say window dot alert. Sorry, this is just a dummy form. There's not there's nothing to actually log into here. Spelt wrong because it's me. <laughs> um, otherwise. E dot stop propagation. Do you remember back to last, oh, a while ago when we did HTML5 form validation, what that is for? I, boy, it rings a real strong bell, but I don't remember precisely in this context. I mean, I would think stopping propagation means don't keep going. Correct. It means that the event terminates because normally, so because we have, we have, we have enabled fully manual validation on that form. We are responsible for saying halt, do not submit. Huh. Okay. So we are saying do not submit. E dot stop propagation. Slam on the brakes. So what would happen uh, if propagation continued in this? The form would instance? submit. And we're but it doesn't really we're not go actually doing in anything. our case. If okay. it was a real form, then okay. it would send it to the server, the server would do its thing, and the server would reply with Okay. Sorry, but I couldn't log you in because you didn't actually fill the form in properly. Okay. But we want to stop it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So in this case, stopping it is kind of just a habit I want you to be in. Yeah. Because this isn't a real form. It isn't really doing anything. But you should stop it. If, If you fail validation, you should stop the propagation. Right. And then just for pure convenience, we say... Find the first invalid input and focus it, which we do by saying $input colon invalid. So that's a CSS selector. I want input tags with the pseudo class invalid and then comma dollar login form. So only find those inside the login form mm-hmm. that will find everything that's invalid. Then I say dot first, which will filter it down to only the first invalid thing. And then dot focus focuses it. So focus the first invalid thing inside the form. Right. I knew what all that meant. So in order for us to be able to give a different message, 
depending on which button was clicked, we have to somehow record which one they clicked. And there are more solutions to this than I could possibly shake a stick at. But in order to stay away from stuff I haven't told you about, there was one solution seemed the most sensible. And it's an excuse to remind you of something we haven't looked at in a very long time. So many, many moons ago, we looked at the input tag in great detail. And the input tag can do all sorts of things um, from plain old text boxes to little numeric ones with up and down buttons to uh, date pickers, all sorts of stuff. But one of the weirder ones is input type equals hidden. So this I creates. We, I told you to stop talking when you said that. I was like, why? Why would I want to do that? That doesn't make yeah. any sense. So an input type equals hidden provides an input in your form that is not visible on the page. So in this case, I'm making a, a hidden input, and I'm going to put what they clicked on into that input, so that when the form submits, it knows what was clicked. Okay. And this is actually an example where I'm going to use a click handler on a submit button. Because <laughs> okay. when you click the, sub, the, the, the buttons in the dropdown, it's going to store which one I clicked in this hidden input and then react differently depending on which one. Okay. Now, actually, I didn't. I decided not to do it quite like that. So what I actually did, now that I'm looking at my own code, is I changed them from type equals submit to type equals button. And I added a click handler which submits the form. Is you can, this only on the uh, the drop-down buttons? Yes, only on the drop-down buttons. So my, my normal login button I'm leaving completely unchanged. It's just going to submit the form. Okay. But if you choose one of the fancy pants options, I have to record, did you want five minutes or did you want one hour? Okay. And I decided I would solve it for the generic case because realistically, I am, I am the kind of person who will change my mind and say, oh, I'd really like to log in for 10 minutes. I'll add another option into the drop-down. Well, how's about a half an hour? I'll add another option into the drop-down. And so if I write my code in such a way that I don't have to keep redoing my my event handler each time I change my mind on the options, and that's a better solution. Right. So to do that, I decided to give each of the buttons a value because form elements can have a value oh, equals. right. Okay. So I changed my dropdown. So it says button class equals dropdown dash item type equals button value equals five minutes. And then it just says login for five minutes. Button Class equals drop in item, type equals button, value equals one hour. Log in for one hour. So these buttons will now, right now, this second, unless I do some more work in the code, they will do nothing because they're not submit buttons anymore. They're click buttons with no click handler. All right. So they are right. completely useless. Okay. So we have to add a click handler. So these whopping four lines of code are the click handler. So the CSS selector is basically saying, I want all of the buttons inside the menu. So uh, pound sign, shebang, whatever we're calling it, login underscore dd underscore m is the menu. So span class equals drop down menu id equals login ddm. And then space button. So space means contained within. So I want buttons inside the menu. Uh, I thought space meant that you're saying buttons that have that id no the okay so the thing with the id is butted straight into it so hash login or yeah bang means the thing with the id login wait bang, if is, I wanted, bang is an exclamation point uh, okay they're not bang the other one uh octothorpe pound, you call it pound. octothorpe yeah <laughs> um so if i wanted only 
if I wanted to be specific about what tag I wanted the ID on, I could say span octosorp login underscore dd underscore m, but we generally don't bother because the whole point of an ID is there's only one of them on a page, so it shouldn't matter what tag it's on. Okay. Oh, so that's on tags where it's that and a space and then button. Okay. All right. No, no, no. A space always means inside. If you see a space, it means inside. Mm. They'd be okay. jammed into each other, right? So a paragraph with the class auga would be p dot auga, no space. Oh, okay. Okay, dot instead. Okay, got you. Okay. Yeah. So space always means contained within. So I am saying I want all of the buttons contained within the menu. So in other words, I am adding the click handler to all of the buttons, the same click handler to all of the buttons. Okay. So what does my click handler do? It says, get me the hidden element. So by its ID, you know, optothrop the ID. And then I use jQuery's dot val function. Mm -hmm. So dot val allows you to either get the value if you give it no arguments or set the value if you give it a value. So I'm saying set the value of the hidden fields to what? My good friend, this. <laughs> yes. So whichever button was clicked on is available to us as dollar this. Right. Dot val with no arguments. So pull the value from what you clicked on and shove it into the value of the hidden input. Oh, that's tricky. I like it. It's nice though, isn't it? Yeah, it's really clean yeah, looking. Dollar login form dot submit. So pretend we click the submit button. By the way, I guarantee you I'll look back at that tomorrow and go, what? He's got dot val dollar this dot val. What? He's not making any sense. (laughs) So pull the value from the button and shove it into the hidden input and then submit the form. Yeah. So now it's in the form. So now we can pull it out when we go to do our event handler. So we can change our thingy. So to make my life easier, I added, I updated my submit handler. So it says const dollar d equals, and then use the dollar function to get the hidden input. So I don't have to keep mm-hmm. typing that long ID. I just no. call it dollar d now. Okay. Uh, I can't remember why I picked d. D for duration. That was it. Oh, okay. There was a logic. So then we have our usual if statement. If valid login form, we say let message equals. Sorry, this is just a dummy form. There's nothing to actually log into here backslash n, backslash n. If the form were real, you'd have been logged in, and then it ends. And the backslash n twice, if, that's to do new lines? Yeah, so a new line and another new line, so basically okay. a new paragraph. Then we say, if $d.val, so in other words, if there is something in our hidden input, mm-hmm. we append onto the end of the message for, append to that again, $d.val. So in other words, if you clicked on five minutes, it would say, sorry, this is just a dummy form. There's nothing to actually log into. If the form were real, you'd have been logged in for five minutes. <laughs> nice. Else, it says indefinitely. So if there was nothing put into the hidden input, it means you click the default button. So it just says indefinitely, which is also a valid thing to do. And all the rest is the same. With one very, very, very subtle but very important thing on line 16. Why might that be important? Um, I, it's always hard for me to tell what line number you mean because the lines don't line up. Okay, so the I very last thing the 16. event handler... Yeah, so it's the last thing the event handler does. So they, whether you pass validation or fail validation, the very last thing the event handler always does is set the value of the hidden input to the empty string. In other words, it empties the hidden input. Why, Why? would that be important? Mm-hmm. If you don't, you create a subtle bug. Imagine the scenario. You're filling in the form, but you miss out the password. You leave it blank. 
and you click the drop down menu and then you click five minutes. Mm-hmm. So that means that the hidden input now contains five minutes. The validation fails. So it doesn't put up the message saying you've been logged in because you haven't. It stops propagation and it focuses the missing field. Right. You then enter your password. And this time you click the default login button. So nothing changes the hidden input, which still has five mins written in it. So you expect it to log in indefinitely, but you have in fact logged in for five mins. Okay. Book. Okay. Cause that, so that the setting of that value is not part of the submit function that's happened outside of the submit function. No, 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 no. It's in the submit function, regardless of whether you pass or fail validation, always blank after yourself. No, no, Clean no, up no, after no, 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 no. What I'm trying to say is where we did set the value of the submit was mm-hmm. outside of this uh, submit form. I said it wrong. Where we set where, the value where we is set in the, the value is in right is yes. in the click handler that's not part of the submit function. So that's already been set yes. whether or not we validate the form or not. So if we validate yes. the form, we need to blank it out. Well, wait a minute. Okay, mm-hmm. walk through the scenario again. We well, don't fill the form in properly. Right, we make a mistake. We leave out the username or the password. We get one of the two wrong. So right? that then if validate login form doesn't happen. Okay, but w- walk through the steps from st- from the start. So we typey typey, we get it wrong, we click the triangle and we click login for 5 minutes. So the click handler happens. Yes, so, so it has 5 a value. minutes get So 5 minutes get shoved into the hidden input. Yes. The hidden in- then the click handler calls the submit function. So we're now in the submit function, and the submit function says, if validate, nope. It jumps to the else, it stops propagation, it focuses the first invalid element, and then it finishes. What is now in the hidden input? Okay, okay, got you. So it's five got, you. got you, okay. We have left debris behind us. Right, right. Now, if you click log in for five minutes again, no problem. If you click log in for one hour, also no problem. But if you click the default button, it just submits the form. Which means that those five minutes are left there from last time. They happen. And so the user gets the wrong outcome. They expected to log in indefinitely. They actually log in for five minutes. Right. Bug. Right. Uh, they Subtle. should have done it right the first time. <laughs> You're pandering to them, Bart. <laughs> no, I'm pointing out that writing... so. Like a a word processor or anything like that, JavaScript web stuff, there's no beginning, middle, and end. Events happen in any order. You have to be really careful not to make subtle bugs. Yeah. Really, really careful because anything can happen in any order. Yeah. Really bloody hard. By the way, I did one thing you didn't do. I decided Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be allowed to log in indefinitely. So I made uh, never log out. I made that uh, disabled so they couldn't pick it. (laughs) <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I approve. Okay, so there we are. That's that's my solution to the homework. So let us get stuck into the new stuff for today. Bootstrap nabs. Oh, and I'm so going to remember it. to do a chapter mark right at 31 minutes so people know. Jumping to new material. So a nav is named after its job. Nav as in navigation. So a nav's job is to help the user to navigate something. And the something really could be anything. So on a traditional website, a nav's job might be to jump you from section to section. On podfeet.com, you might use a nav. In fact, there probably is a nav on podfeet.com because every website has navigation of some sort. 
um, you know, it's going to be the menu to jump you between the different sections. Mm-hmm. If you have a web app, the nav might be to your web app might have multiple screens, there might or multiple personas or something. So you might navigate between screens within your app, or you might have a tools panel down the side with multiple possible tabs you want to navigate between. Right, all of these things can be done with a nav. It's just move me between some stuff, and it really could just be anything. It's a very generic thing to want to do. It's basically a list of links is what it is. Right. That, that, that is really what it is in navigation. So don't think too hard about it. Um, their basic structure is that uh, the entire nav is contained within one tag, and that tag is given the class nav. And nav then contains zero or more items, which get the class nav-item. And the nav items will contain a link, i.e. nav-link. So nav contains nav-item, contains nav-link, and the nav-item is actually optional for really simple navigations. It's not optional for fancy pants stuff, but for simple stuff, you can just have .nav and .nav-link and call it a day. So you can see the first code snippet is the world's simplest navigation. Uh, Actually, I should say, the tag you use can be anything. But from the point of view of making your code semantically correct, there is actually an HTML5 tag that is perfect for the job, the nav tag, which is designed for navigation. Uh, by so HTML... tag, which kind of, you've already told us it was nav class equals nav. Yep. Is right. That the tag no, it said class saying... equals nav. So, right. So where it says nav, that's the name of the tag. That could be okay. div, span, p, h1. That could be okay. anything. Class equals nav is what actually makes it into a bootstrap nav. Oh, okay. Okay, but the HTML right. tag is nav is semantically correct, but you could do it with a div or a, or a span. Or a p or anything you like, yeah. Okay. So the HTML5 defines a tag called nav. Okay. And the HTML5 spec says that a nav tag is for containing your navigation. Okay. So bootstrap's nav element and the HTML5 nav tag they solve the same problem. So it's kind of very, very normal to say nav class equals nav. HTML5 nav, bootstrap nav. Together in harmony. It's great. <laughs> so our first step, it has nav class equals nav, which contains three links. A class equals nav dash link, href equals something and some text. A class equals nav dash link, href equals something. You get the idea. It's just three links inside nav class equals nav. And each link has the class nav dash link. And that plain old works it's really, really boring. And um, if you want to see what it looks like at this really early stage with no styling applied, you will find inside the zip file pbs68a.html. Okay. It's just some left aligned links, really. Um, and actually, Bootstrap implements navs using Flexbox. So it's basically a Flexbox with three flex items, which are the links. One of the things Bootstrap does to make your navigation bar more human-friendly, it puts a very large padding on those links, so the touch target is very big. If you hover your mouse so it becomes a little hand, you'll see that you can miss the written text by quite a bit, and it's still a hand. Which of... Uh, so I'm looking at the examples. There's a lot of... Or, well, there's two in a row okay, that so say parts, I guess, part. 
at the very top of the page, the one that says really basic nav or something like literally. So it says basic just... navs and there, but there's four different examples. The first okay. two both and say Bart's basic site nav, and right? sites. Let me, let me finish. I want to ask a question. So you've got the first one says unstyled and then you've got one that says styled. Which one is it you're talking mm-hmm. about right now? The first unstyled. unstyled. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So these are in order, okay? So as we go through the show notes, every code yeah. snippet matches exactly. So the hand never moves as you go all the way across, so you can't really tell which one you're on. Okay, move up. Yeah, I can tell it goes off when you go up and down, but right to left, they... No, no, no. what I'm saying is you can go way further off the letters than you can on a normal link. You you can miss the top of the B and you still have a hand. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So they're larger than normal touch targets to make this a really user-friendly menu. So even though we've used bootstrap classes, class equals nav and nav link, it's still mm-hmm. not doing any styling? It is doing styling. This is a flexbox. It's just, it says unstyled. Uh, and I thought you were saying this was the unstyled. unstyled. This is the unpolished, sorry, the bad choice of words, <laughs> unpolished. Okay, just a smidge of Bargain styling. basement. <laughs> Bargain <laughs> basement. We have done literally, we have done nothing but say, give me a nav. We have, we've gone in and we've asked for a coffee, but we haven't asked for any cream. We haven't asked for any sugar. We haven't asked for any syrup. We haven't. You're lucky just, you got it in a cup. <laughs> yeah, precisely. That's it. It is the, it is the Americano of navs. Okay. All right. In fact, not even Americano because that has water in it. It's the <laughs> single shot of espresso. Anyway, so this is a flex box. So bootstrap navs are flex boxes and bootstrap navs are just tags. So the simplest way to style a nav is to use the bootstrap utilities. And of particular note is the bootstrap flex utilities for controlling flex boxes, the bootstrap color utilities for doing things like setting a background color and the bootstrap border utilities for doing stuff like setting a border. So we can immediately jazz up our first example dramatically by only adding a few bootstrap utility classes to the nav. So the second version is exactly the same as the first, except that on the nav tag, it now says class equals nav, border dash top, border dash bottom, BG dash light, justify dash content dash around. Okay. So the now nav is spread just out our nicely. Nav. It's got a light gray background. It's got a top and bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically, border top, border bottom, they're just the uh, bootstrap utilities for borders. BG Light is the bootstrap color utility for a light background. And Justify Content Around is the bootstrap flex utility for saying, spread up the empty space into even parts around the item. So there's some, there's half the width of space before the first item, then a double width between the first and second, the double width between the second and third, and another half one on the end, if you get what I mean. Okay. So one yeah. unit, yeah, I'm not describing that very well, but you get what I mean. It's nicely spread out, as you said. Much better description. Um, Bootstrap does give you more. It does also have some more opinionated versions of nav bars. Uh, and the first I want to talk to you about is the so-called nav pill. Now, the nav pill's job is to highlight the current thing within the nav. Because oh. most times when you have a nav, you're, you are somewhere. Right. right. And navigation is for moving, but you are at a place before you move. You are And here. so you usually want to mark the current page within a navigation or the current tab within a dialogue or something, right? You want to mark what is now. And the way you mark what is now is with the class dot active, but by default, it does nothing. 
So to make it do something, you have to use pill navs, or there's another option we'll see in a bit. So to turn a nav into a pill nav, you just add a class nav-pills. So nav class equals nav nav-pills. So all of them so get you, all of them get nav-pills? No, the, there's one nav contains multiple links. So the class-pill, the nav-pills goes onto the nav as a whole, not oh, okay. each individual link. Gotcha. Okay. So that means that whatever then within the nav gets the class active will be highlighted with the pill. Hmm. Okay. So the nav dash pills goes in the whole nav, and then the one you want marked as current just gets the class active. Just for completeness, there is also a class disabled, which makes it look grayed out. Okay. Um, that works both on a basic nav and a pill nav. That works everywhere. But the active only works on the fancy ones, which is the pill nav is the first of them. And we'll look, we'll see another one in a while. Um, now, wanting to control the width of your buttons is actually something quite normal to want to do. So there's actually special classes built in as well. You don't have to use the flex classes. Um, a nice one is, so basically, the first one you get is nav-fill, which basically says just don't have there be any empty space. Let each one expand as far as it can. And if you have a bar with different lengths of button, they will all be different sizes, but there will be no empty space. So they'll all spread out to fill everything as if each of them is trying to blow as hard as it can and the bigger ones can blow a bit harder so they get a bit more room. Okay. If you want to imagine it that way. You may actually want them to be all the same size. So nav-fill just says, just expand all of you and the big ones will expand more. Uh, if you want them all to be the same size, there's a variant of that, nav-justified. They will expand, but they'll all expand to the same size. That's a terrible word to use for that. Justified means like right or left or centered. Doesn't actually mean... no. Justified means that the spaces have been expanded so that they justified text. The spacing has been divided evenly between the words is what justified means. The ed the effect is that the two edges line up, and that's why we now think that word means something it doesn't. But it it's actually the make space that's justified in the sentence be the same size. It never means make it be the same size. No, it distributes. No, no. The spaces justified. They're justified spaces. Oh, I thought you meant the each each nav tab or each pill would be the same size. That is what I mean. But I'm saying the word when we talk about a justified paragraph, the thing that is justified is the spaces. A justified paragraph is a paragraph where all of the empty space has been equally divided between all of the gaps between all of the words. We think it means line the edges up, but actually means equalize the spacing which has the effect of lining up the edges. So we think the word means something it doesn't. Okay. But I thought you Sorry, said... that's etymology there. But I thought you said that justified meant each of these pills is the same size, not the space between them is the same size. Each of the pills is the same size because the pills are justified. In a paragraph, it is the spaces that are justified. You said justified was the wrong word. I'm saying, no, it's actually the right word, but it, it's just really... So you have spaces everyone. between these pills and you don't mean no. th that they're justified. No, sorry. We're, we're completely cross-purposes. I apologize completely. I was correcting you on a stupid point of grammar. No, it, no. there is no space, right? So in a justified nav, there is no space. Okay. And each pill has been... each item has been expanded to be the same size as themselves. So all the space is gone and it's been divided into equal chunks. Okay. So if one pill or one of these uh, nav items is 
12 words and one is one word, they would still be the same size. Bingo. Okay. In Justified. But that's not true in Nav-Phil? Correct. So in Nav-Phil, there's still no space between. Okay. But each one will be whatever size makes. Basically, the size is weighted by how much is in them. Got it. Okay. All right. Think think tables, right? By default, if mm-hmm. you don't give columns a width, the, their, their the widths will necessary. be based on how much is in them. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's All what right. nav-fill is like, and nav-justified means make them equal. So you have to do one or the other. You wouldn't do them at the same yes. time. Because That is would, indeed correct. The, yes. That would be contradictory. Okay. Yeah. So our third example is a pill nav that is justified. So our actual... Ah, sorry. I need to say one more thing. So up until this point, I have been allowing us, or not I have been, Bootstrap has been, I'm not going to take any credit. I told you initially that a nav contains nav items contain nav links, but the nav item is optional for really simple stuff. Once you start to do fill or justified, it's not optional anymore. Hmm. You need to have, because what's actually getting you know filled or justified is the nav item, not the nav link. Oh. So we now need to have nav items. Okay. But in simple navs, the A tag can do double duty. The A tag can both be the item and the link. Oh. We just so give just it both classes. Less code? Yeah. Less messy? I mean, you, yeah, you could wrap a span around it and give the span the class nav item and then the link just the class nav link. But you can perfectly valid, you say, A, class equals nav item, nav link. There you go, do both jobs. And that works perfectly. So our third example, we have a pill-based nav that is justified. So nav class equals nav nav-pills, nav-justified. So show me the pills and justify it. And then for completeness, I've put in four links. Each of them has nav-item, nav-link. One of them I have also given the class active. So it has nav-item, nav-link, active. And another one I've given the class disabled, just to show you what they look like. So we have nav-item, nav-link, disabled. So I'm looking at the examples because uh, there's no screenshots in the link in the notes yet. Uh, am, am I looking for the one with the big blue around it is the one we're talking about? That is it, exactly. So it says okay. PBS 66, which is a normal link, not active, not disabled, just normal. Mm-hmm. PBS 67, not active, not disabled, normal. PBS 68 is marked as active. In other words, we this is current. And PBS 69 is marked as disabled because that's the future. <laughs> so just by saying it was active, that made it bright blue? Or did that, you Yes, that enabled the pill. Yeah. And so the fact that it's bright blue is because we have nav-pills. Oh, so okay. in nav-pills, any active nav will become blue. that. Will become blue. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. With the square box or it's the quite, roundy square box. Pretty. Whatever you call it. it is quite pretty. I like it yeah. a lot. Um. There is then a second style at our disposal. So if you don't like pills, we can have what are called nav tabs. And this is very imaginatively nav dash tabs instead of nav dash pills. Oh, okay. So nav dash pills is that roundy box, rounded rectangle box. Oh, okay. But only on the active, only on active elements, right? Right. So nav dash pills isn't noticeably different until you mark something as active and then then you Uh, see the pill. Okay. Nav dash tabs is always somewhat obvious. But you still need to mark something as active for it to become clear what it's doing. So it's the identical code, and all I have changed is P-I-L-L-S has been replaced with T-A-B-S. Huh. So it now says class nav nav dash tabs. 
And now our same four links are rendered as they all have just a bottom border apart from the one that's active, which basically looks like a tab in an ye olde filing cabinet. Right. Or right. the top of our browser is probably where we know tabs better from these days. I got to tell you, I don't know if it's my old eyes or what, but the disabled one doesn't look... I had to zoom way up on it to be able to tell it was a different color, that it was slightly grayed. They've made that effect awfully subtle. It, well, okay, but the, the, it, hover your mouse over the other two and it's much less subtle because the other ones highlight when you hover over them, whereas the disabled one just sits there. Right, but the PBS... I'm talking about PBS 68, which is the active tab. That doesn't highlight. It doesn't change. But right, because you're here. It's PBS 68 and 69 that look identical to me, that, that I had to zoom okay, up one to of be them, able to tell that it's gray, that it's grayed out. I mean, the other okay, one has a one tab has around the, it. Right, so that's obvious. Right, but I'm just saying, I think they chose a little subtle on that, a little higher contrast between those two would be an improvement. Okay, well, remember, you're normally comparing the disabled one to the PBS 67 and bright blue next to it. Uh, why? Why aren't I comparing it to the PBS 68? That's the active Well, this PBS 68 has a giant big tab around it to show you that it's special. Well, giant, big, incredibly light gray. I mean, that's not, that's... Yeah, okay. Well, anyway. It's their their choice. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, so that is simple navs. Now... When we start to do cooler stuff with navs, we need to make our markup a little bit more complex. We can't get away with having the link do double duty. We actually need nav items. So from here on out, we're going to need to have a nav containing nav items containing nav links. And you could use any tag you like, right? Same rules apply. Generally speaking, you can get away with anything you like. But the most sensible is actually a list an unordered list. So you would say UL for the nav, LI for the nav items, and then A for the nav links. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what a list-based nav is yet in order to say that makes sense, but it has the word list in it, so using ULs would make sense. So initially, it's going to be no different looking to a nav marked up the other way. It will behave exactly the same at first, but then we can start adding in fancy bits. Okay. All right. So we can rewrite the previous tab nav, and it will look identically the same, but the markup has now just become a little bit more explicit. So we say UL class equals nav, nav dash tabs, nav dash justified, LI class equals nav item, and then inside that, A class equals nav link. So instead of our A tag doing two jobs, our A tag is now inside an LI tag, and they've shared the work between them. And we've gained what for doing that extra work? Nothing yet? The ability to add more in here later. Okay. All right. Fancy bits. So we, have the, we now have the option for fancy bits. And the first fancy bit we're going to shove in here is a drop-down menu. Ah. So we can't do drop-down menus until we break the nav, and the nav, or the nav link and the nav item apart. Okay. Until we do that, we can't do a drop-down. Okay. So to do a drop-down, we're basically going to give the... We're going to have the nav item act as the drop-down. So the drop-down contains the toggle and the menu. So the nav item is going to contain the toggle and the menu. So the first thing we have to do is we have to add the class drop-down to the nav item. So it now gets li class equals nav item space drop-down. It already contains a link. 
But the link's job now changes. The link's job is now to be the toggle for the dropdown. So it gets the class dropdown-toggle, just like it would have done previously. Hmm. We give it an ID, or we should give it an ID, because for accessibility reasons later, we have to refer back to it. Just like we learned last week, we have to give it the data attribute data-toggle equals dropdown so that it actually performs as a dropdown toggle. And we need, it's an A tag, it needs a href, and for reasons I'm not entirely sure I really want to go into, (laughs) it needs to be just the octothorpe. href (laughs) equals octothorpe. Okay, except that on faith. Except that on faith, that is how Bootstrap decided to implement this. Okay. They could have done something else, they did it this way. It should be given role equals button for accessibility purposes. It should be given aria-hasPopup equals true and aria-expanded equals false. So those last three are just to help screen readers, et cetera, do their thing. Okay. So we now have a list item, sorry, a nav item that is also a dropdown that contains a link that is a nav link and also a dropdown toggle. So now we need something to actually drop. So we need to add a menu. So div class equals dropdown dash menu. Aria dash labeled by equals. And here we connect back to the ID we just gave our toggle. Okay. Uh, So last time, our dropdown menus contained buttons. Well, now we're dealing with navs. So our dropdown menu now contains links instead of buttons. So A, class equals dropdown dash item, href equals wherever it is we'd like to go. So in this case, my dropdown is called Bart's Shows. And the first link goes to Let's Talk Apple. Then we have another link, a class equals dropdown dash item, href equals whatever, let's dash talk that And this one goes to Let's Talk Photo. So there we have it. We now have a dropdown inside our nav. Okay. Can I try to walk us through this? You can. Okay. So we've got a UL with LIs in it. So unordered list with list items. The UL Mm -hmm. is the nav itself. That's class yes. equals nav, and we've done stuff to make it look pretty. And then, uh, so now inside the LIs, and I'm going to just go right to the one with the toggle and drop down. So the the list item, uh, the list tag has class equals nav item, and we've also mm-hmm. made it, but we've also made it a drop down. All right, and so an item has a nav link in it, and the nav link is the is the ahref, the a tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so class yeah. equals nav link. And that's what becomes the nav link is what becomes the drop down toggle. So it's it's yes. sort of like a fake link. It doesn't really yes. go anywhere. Uh, yes. And then it's, yeah. And then under then within that, of course, you need to have your drop down. Uh, no, next you have to have your drop down menu. Then within that, your drop down items. Yes. Okay. So your drop-down menu is basically the same as last time. The only difference, instead of it being full of buttons, is now full of links. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so Let's if you see the example... Too, Bart. We could make this more complicated. <laughs> you actually could if you wanted to, but it would be a very confusing UI. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I, I so think you now it. see that, and you can mix and match, right? So my example has Bart's site is a normal nav link that takes you straight to my homepage, and next to it is another nav item, which is the dropdown. So it says Bart's shows, and the next to that we have Allison's site, and next to that we have Allison's shows. So we have a normal link, a dropdown, a normal link, a dropdown. Yeah. Now, 
the last thing I'm going to tell you about today is the absolute coolest thing. Oh, this is so much fun. Bootstrap have done oh so much heavy lifting here. So a very common thing to see on a web page is a collection of content that is imaginarily stacked on top of each other that you can switch between with tabs like in a browser. Bootstrap lets you do that using the nav in in conjunction with something it calls panes. So we have multiple panes, and the nav lets us switch from one pane to the other. I don't quite understand uh, what sort of, you mean by stacked on top of each other. Give me what would be an example of what you mean. Okay, so in your browser, when you have multiple tabs open, you one of them is on top, and the other ones are hidden behind it. And then you click on another tab, and then that one jumps on top, and the others are hidden behind it. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mental model of tabs in a browser. Oh, okay. That's the mental model of panes in oh, Bootstrap. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I'm I'm caught up. Yes. So to do this, you have two parts. You're going to have a nav that's going to control which pane is visible, and then you're going to have the panes. So we have two parts to our uh, to our thingy, and I've lost my scroll. Uh, so the first thing to do is that is um, okay. So I'm going to describe the panes first because they're easy. So to make some panes, you pick a tag of your choosing and you give it the class tab-content, which just basically says this region is going to be tabbed. And you can use any tag you like, but normally it's a div. Okay. So just div class equals tabbed-content. And inside tabbed-content goes one tag for every tab or pane, as, as Bootstrap calls them. They can be anything you like, but three guesses is what we're going to use. Divs. Div. The one that's going to be on top, the one that's going to be visible, has to have the class active. That is what makes it be visible. If it doesn't have the class active, it will be hidden. Um, in order for it to be usable, we need to give them all IDs because our nav is going to hide and show these different tabs, so they have to be addressable somehow, so they all have to get an ID. At that point, we could stop, but we wouldn't have helped our friends with screen readers. So in order to make them work properly with screen readers, we should have role equals tab panel. And we should also give them an aria-labeled by. And that should connect to the ID of the matching link inside the, the, the nav bar we haven't created yet. Hmm. Okay. Not, not the, we gave something else an ID, right? Uh... The tab itself has an ID, and that's going to be linked the opposite way. So the navigation needs to say what I should hide and show, and the thing being hidden and shown needs to say what label belongs to me. So you need an ID in both directions. Okay. That's making my head right, hurt, but let's keep going. <laughs> okay, but the, the thing that hides and shows is labeled by something that you click on to make it come and go. So that's why you need to go a labeled by. And the thing that does the hiding and showing has to know what it is it's hiding and showing. So that's why you need the ID in the other direction. Okay. Right. I, I do you need to see it in action in order to, to know what, what you mean with all these IDs. So let's keep going. Yeah. It's a, well, basically, everything has an ID because everything has to talk to everything. That's okay. the simple right. solution. So that takes care of... That's all we have to do to define the, the panels we're going to tab between. Panes. Right? So we just... Panes. The panes. Thank you. Okay. 
So we have a div tab dash content, and inside that we have divs with um, tab dash paint. Hang on, are they panes or are they panels? Because you said they have to be row roll tab equals or roll equals tab panel. Okay, so in Aria speak they're panels, <laughs> and in Bootstrap speak they're panes. Oh, that's right. The roll equals is Aria. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, so this is why I get confused because. Okay. So we could call them either one because they are both. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, we could. All right. So in order to move between our panels or panes, we need some sort of navigation. And we can either use tabs or pills, but tabs are just nicer for this. So we need to make a normal nav with the class nav-tabs. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest difference here is that we should give it an ARIA role to tell ARIA that it is behaving as a tab list. So we okay. say role equals tab list. Okay. So now we have a lot of work to do for each individual link. So the, the nav just has to have role equals tab list and the class nav dash tabs. That's easy. Unfortunately, every individual link has a lot of heavy lifting to do because it's hiding and showing panels. So the first thing is they have to have IDs because that's how we, that's how we match them up with the labeled by attribute we already mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing is they need to be connected to their matching pane. Um, and so we need to basically tell Bootstrap that this navigation is controlling hidden tabs. So the first thing we have to do is say data-toggle equals tab. That tells Bootstrap, turn this link into a toggle for a tab. If you were using pills, you'd say data-toggle equals pill. But like I say, I don't know why you'd want to use pills. Tab tabs are nicer. Uh, you then have to set the href attribute of the link to the CSS selector for the ID of the pane. So the pane with ID equals tab one needs to have href equals octothorpe tab one. That okay. sounds hard to say. So the hidden example, or the not the hidden example, the example example will hopefully illuminate that a bit more. Okay. So you connect the two by saying, by, with the ID. For screen reader's sake, you have to say role equals tab. You have to say aria-controls, uh, and you map that to the ID as well. So that would be tab one. And then you have to say uh, aria-selected equals either true or false. True for the one that's in front, false for all the others. And finally, you have to give the class active to the tab representing the one that's in front at the moment. That sounds horrible. So how's about yeah, you look at the Yeah, it does. It's, this is a mess. I mean, you, you're going to have to... Now, they okay. link to each I'll... other. So whichever whichever mm -hmm. one you talk about first refers to the other one. Okay. So I'm just trying to how you're going to have to rewrite it over and over and over again to say, now this one's active, no, this one's active, no, that one's active. Uh, you don't rewrite it. JavaScript does, and Bootstrap has all the code written for you. Okay. Once you put those data-toggles in, Bootstrap does everything else for you automatically. So you don't rewrite them. You just write it the way it is when the page loads, and Bootstrap takes care of it oh, from okay. there. That is okay, so whatever the default one is when it first loads, if that one's active, the other ones are, are not, and then it'll change exactly. as you tip. Okay, good. And then Bootstrap changes it from there on. Yeah. Okay. So there are two parts, the nav controlling the panes and the panes themselves. So I've put comments into my code snippet to clearly show that lines two to six are the nav and lines nine to 19 are the panes. 
So nav class equals nav, nav dash tabs, nav dash justified. Nothing new so far. Oh, look, here's our first new thing, role equals tab list. Then we have inside, we have our actual links for controlling the tabs, one for each pane. So a class equals nav item, nav link active. So one link is doing double duty here as a nav item and a nav link because we don't need drop down menus or anything fancy pants. It's just, you know, all it's doing is toggling the panes. So we can make it do double duty and we say active because I'm being very boring. I'm making the first tab be the default one. We give it an ID. I'm calling it tab one dash tab. Not very exciting. Then we do the magic to tell Bootstrap what to do. Data dash toggle equals tab. href equals octosorp tab one. So the data dash toggle tab says, dear Bootstrap, I want you to make something hide and show. href equals dollar sign, or not dollar sign, pound sign tab one tells Bootstrap what to hide and show. The pane with the ID tab one. Okay. How much of it? Okay. I mean, I'm, then I'm we have hearing, our... but wow. <laughs> well, okay. okay, but there's not much going on here, right? Make me a nav, nav item, make me active, and make me control tab one. Okay. And then we I have mean, the you've ARIA got, You've got a sentence, you've got a line of code that has tab one dash tab, it's got tab, it's got tab one. Three right. different so things tab in quotes. One is that the tab, and the tab difference. one dash tab is the tab controlling tab one. How can a tab control a tab? What does that even mean? Okay. Look at the sample. Okay, let's let's move and look at the actual sample page, because otherwise we're just gonna we're just gonna make everyone's head hurt. So the very last example you see it says first tab, second tab, third tab. So first tab is active by default and it has some stuff. Now click on second tab. Some other, says stuff. Some other stuff. Third tab, even more stuff. Okay. First tab again, some stuff. Some other stuff. Okay. Even more stuff. Yeah, I, so I we're see tabbing it working. Between... Okay. But I, I don't know what tab so, one dash tab is. What tab? Right. Is exactly. Tab so one. Let me let me let me finish, and then you will. So first tab. The letters first tab. That is inside a nav. Yes. They're all it says inside. First a, they're all inside tab. a nav. No, no, they're not. Yeah, first tab, second tab, third. Equals is is outside of all three nav items. Yes, but it's not outside some stuff, right? So there are two things. First tab, second tab, third tab together are the nav, and then below them are the panes. So they are separate things. There are three tabs and three panes. Okay. First tab is is tab one dash tab. Some stuff is tab one. Wow. I I don't know. There's a one-to-one mapping, right? Some okay. stuff is the pane. That pane is controlled by one is nav Is the pane the stuff under the tab? Yes. The pane is, is some stuff. Some other stuff. Even more stuff. They are the three panes. So I the guess I don't know what a pane are... is versus a tab all this time. So the pane is what you see on screen when you click on the first tab. Yes. Okay. The pane is the content. The tabs are for telling you... The pane is the browser window. The tab is the tab. Okay. All right. 
Yes. So yeah. So if we're looking at this first link on on tab one, it's a tab one is a link. So yes, it's, it's an ahref. All right. It's got yes, a, it's got a, it's got aria controls tab one, which is that says I'm going to go down and point at the pane tab one. No. Yes. Why are you calling yes. a pane a tab? Because that's what because they're called because they have the class tab. That's how the Bootstrap examples all were. But you're trying to I, distinguish what's a tab and what's a pane, and you're calling the panes tabs in your IDs. Yeah, and that's how Bootstrap did it. So I tried to be consistent with the docs. So when people went and read the docs, I wouldn't Why confuse would they them. They do that though. That so that that's I part don't of know. it. So tab one and tab one are not the same thing. Ta- okay, the First, ID tab one is the content that you care about. So even more stuff. Okay, and then the controller for that is tab one dash tab. Okay. All right. So tab one and tab one tab are completely related to each other. So what one if, controls the other. So tab one dash tab is the tab itself. Is the yeah, so the, the, the letters the idea first of tab, the tab that you can click on. Yeah. Yeah, the clickable thing is tab one dash tab, and the actual thing you're making hide and show is tab one. Okay. All right. And the same is true for tab two and tab three. And then href uh pound sign tab one. What does that mean? So that's how you're connecting the. F- that's how you're connecting that first tab, makes some stuff. That that connects you to the pane, tab one is is right there. So that is how tab one is connected to the actual pane with the content. So the the clickable thing that says first tab is connected to the piece of content some stuff by the ID tab one. So yes. the pane one is called tab one and it has some stuff in it. Okay. Yes. So that is how that connection is made. That's how you tell Bootstrap when I click on this thing, what should be made active? So the first thing I'm going to do when we hang up is I'm going to copy this code and I'm going to put it in a text editor and I'm going to change all those tab one, tab two, tab threes to say pane one, pane two, pane three, so I can tell them apart. Okay. Okay. I mean, it is good when you're consistent with the documentation. I, I get why you would do that, but I, they, that was silly of them to do that. Okay, keep going now. I, yes. I'm vaguely connected. Well, the second one is exactly the same with one difference. It doesn't have active because it isn't okay. active. Right. And the third one, again, without active. Okay. Our panes then are all contained within a div class equals tab dash content. And each one is a div class equals tab dash pane. The first one is also active. Huh. It has the ID tab one, the role tab panel, and the aria labeled by tab one dash tab. Right. So some stuff is labeled by first tab. Right. Some um, other stuff is labeled by second tab, etc. That's interesting. Labeled by in that case. Yes, it's hmm. the reverse connection. It's telling the screen reader what on screen made this thing happen. Okay. Why do you have to make the pane active? Just because? Well, if you didn't make it active, it would say it would say behind. It would say invisible. Hmm. Okay. The, the active one is the one that is shown. The non-active ones are not visible. Okay. 
I, I guess, yeah, it does make sense. But logically or illogically, when I look at a tab, well, of course, the stuff in it would be active because it's active. But you have to make it be active, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you have to tell. Like, Bootstrap isn't, it has no intelligence, right? It does what you tell it. You got to tell it. And that's how you tell it. And that really is all there is to it. It's so hard to say, but actually, it's all copy-paste, really. And then, without you having to write a single line of JavaScript, there's a lot of really powerful hiding and showing going on here. Yeah, yeah. And you just get it for free. So you can make tabbed interfaces now, which is a very common way of collapsing content to make it take up less space. Right, right. So three guesses what your challenge might be. <laughs> make make you some tabs and panes and stuff. Yeah, so in your recipe, in a way that makes sense to you, use tabs to, to hide and show some panes. Maybe you want to have, you probably don't want to have the instructions behind the ingredients. <laughs> but maybe all that fluff, like the equipment you need and the other stuff, maybe they can all be collapsed into a set of panes. Right, right. So have cool. fun. All right, well, wish me luck. Yeah, now. The tab panes seem horrific to describe. They're much when you actually use them, they're fine. Okay. It's just a matter of connecting the IDs. I think maybe I, another thing I do is draw arrows saying this is connected to that by that, this is connected to that by that. Here's yeah, one going would, down, yeah. one going back up. Yeah. Okay. That is it exactly. So they're interconnected. Mm-hmm. The tab knows what it's hiding and showing, and the thing being hidden and shown knows who's doing it. Right. So where we're going next, so what we have been discussing today is what Bootstrap calls a nav. Bootstrap has another component, which is basically a nav on steroids. It's designed to be that bar at the top of the web page or at the top of a website that has the name of the site, an icon, the various sections you can go to, maybe a login button, maybe a search bar, maybe some other buttons. Just about every website these days has one of these bars across the top. Bootstrap calls those nav bars. So a nav is fairly straightforward. A nav bar has all the bells and whistles. So next time, we're going to only be looking at the nav bar. And even at that, I'm not sure I'm going to fit it all into one episode because the nav bar is very powerful. Wow. You even get for free the ubiquitous hamburger button. Oh, yay. So this is this is where so many of those hamburgers come from, from the bootstrap component navbar. So that is what you have to look forward to whenever we next record a um, a programming what else, because of course the silly season is upon us. So all of our schedules will be a complete mess as we all do family stuff. So I have no idea when I'm going to talk to you again. But if it's not before, you know, the holiday seasons, I hope our listeners all have a great time. Lots of nerdy fun, lots of coding during your downtime. Great <laughs> opportunity to get caught up. All right. Well, there's no point in saying get caught up because they're not going to hear me say it until they actually do. Right, right. (laughs) It's like the lecturer who goes into the empty class and says, you know, all of your colleagues who aren't here, they're really missing out. It's like, and why are you telling us? (laughs) Right, right. I like it when somebody, when the, uh, when the professor yells at the people who are late, who aren't there yet. Okay. You just penalize the people who are on time. That was, that was good. Good move. Yeah. I I got a half hour lecture from a lecturer once about poor attendance. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm here. Why am <laughs> I getting this earful? I'm here. Look at me. Look at me. Yes. I pointed it out to him. He was not impressed. I got another lecture. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Bart, whenever we do see you, we'll see you and it'll be fun. Excellent. Well, until then, happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.